0: After a few uh, of the ones that we looked at to go, I don't want to be in that business. I don't want to be in that business. That doesn't have something that I want. But then to start narrowing down to what really meant something to me, being uh, involved in the outdoor industry, having a legacy company rather than uh, building something from scratch, living on the Western Slope, uh, living in a community as great as Mantras that supports businesses, living in a state like Colorado that's easy to recruit people to come work for you. The look on their face and the amazement, that wow, that inspiration, that spiritual feeling of walking into the round inside a yurt and looking up at the rafters and seeing the dome and knowing you're going to see the stars out of that tonight, is is just something that uh, you know gives me goosebumps.
1: This is the Proco 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and getting to know the leaders of Colorado's most interesting and entrepreneurial companies. Today's episode features John Gibson, owner and CEO of Montrose, Colorado based Secret Creek, a company making super deluxe yurts, teepees, and tents. I invited John to Proco 360 for a couple of reasons. First, because i think high end yurts teepees and tents are super cool a really fun market that i've always been curious about and for sure we're going to talk about that the products and so forth i'm also interested in how john found his way from being an operations executive at a denver based landscaping business to buying what was then called colorado yurt in montrose colorado so it's it's not just that story the transition and so forth it's that whole thought pra- process around deciding whether to buy a company rather than starting one and what kind of company to find, uh, explore, and ultimately purchase. So John, glad you're joining me here
0: on ProCo 360. Hey Dave, thanks for having me on again.
1: This is funny. I mean, John says again, because (laughs) this is actually the third time we're recording this podcast because of technical difficulties. So we are going to be so good. And actually, John, you should be ready for any kind of presser inquiries by the time we're done with this.
0: This will be outstanding. Trust me.
1: Okay. So, John, now that we've given sort of an overview of what your business is about and so forth, I bet you can do a much better one. Talk about the business, the products you sell, the size of the company and so forth.
0: Yeah. At Secret Creek, uh, we say we connect people to the outdoors through our structures and uh, we make yurts, teepees and tents and uh, we manufacture them here in Montrose, Colorado, and then we get to ship them all over the world. Uh, This year, we're shipping some to British Columbia, Costa Rica, New Zealand and uh, throughout the U.S., of course.
1: Okay. And how about sort of the size and scale of your business?
0: Yeah. So when we, uh, I purchased a business from the founders in 2020, we had about 37 employees to today, we have 58 employees. And uh, we're, uh, you know, we, at the time uh, we used to be making four to six shirts a week, and now we're making up to 70 a month.
1: Listeners, I'm on the website right now looking at the gallery of photos of these tremendous products. But John, for those who are just listening, describe sort of what these yurts, teepees and tents look like.
0: Yeah. So the, the teepee, what we say is closest to nature, um, you know, inspired by the Native American designs and and uh, usually an open floor and, and a beautiful wood pole set inside. Uh, The tents, uh, depending on the frame set that you might put up with them, a a pretty standard glamping style tent. It's not one you're going to put up and take down every day. And then uh, the yurts themselves are actually an engineered structure that uh, we can get engineering for you on and dependent on your site specific conditions, whether that's wind or snow load and and, uh, and make it uh, literally Fit your nature.
1: You know, it seems it's almost like sort of a continuum of how close you want to, how much you want to experience nature. I mean, with the TP, you've got a dirt floor, you've got an open ceiling, you know, open roof, mm-hmm. and then you know, as you move from into uh, glamping with tents, and then into yeah. into a yurt, you know, I guess it it depends on sort of how close, how much you want to feel uh, your natural surroundings. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You, you know, it uh, has some of the same features, safety and security wise. You're going to stay out of the wind and the weather, and uh, on the other hand, you're going to hear the wind and the weather. <laughs> Uh, the, when the rain hits the roof and, and when the wind blows by, it uh, again, engineered, You know they'll standardly hold up to 120 mile an hour's wind. So, uh, but you're going to feel it. You're going to hear it as it comes by.
1: And and I'm still looking at these photos. And here's a yurt, really good size. I mean, I'm looking at it. It's got like a, an overhanging sort of entryway. It's got steps going up to it, doors. So it's almost like a gazebo style. I mean, this is not what you you know, maybe think about as, um, you know, sort of in your mind from a yurt from maybe 20 or 30 years ago, maybe something that you saw way out in the field that hadn't been maintained.
0: Oh, absolutely. Our customers and the creative ideas that they have regarding their, the te- or the uh, yurts themselves, the teepees, the tents, either one of them, but the yurts, amazing what they do with the interiors, everything from, you know, second story lofts to granite countertops, to inside walls, to I visited one in California that had an entire cork floor in it. Wow. And it was, it was the quietest and most comfortable relaxing uh, structure inside the eucalyptus trees that you could imagine.
1: You know, John, even as comfortable as these are, you know, they still, they still seem to do a better job than like a cabin or something else at, at creating a, uh, a tie with nature, almost like a soulful yeah. experience is what it it seems to me.
0: Oh, absolutely. We, we talk a little bit about uh, how inspirational it is when you walk inside one and it's just this sense of awe to be inside the round or inside the circle and um, i don't know that i would uh, compare it to religious experience as much as a spiritual experience sure and the inspiration that you feel of being in the round and and people love to look up at the rafters they love to look up at the pole set within the teepees uh it it is incredible when you're in one
1: you know it seems like the only difference between uh what you're offering and like a cabin is the convenience of like running water or a toilet. And that trade-off you're making is to be closer to nature.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. You have the option of being a dry cabin or a dry yurt, uh, but you also, we have customers that fully plumb them. We have uh, customers that use them as a classroom in a school setting and they've got full sinks and bathrooms inside the units. So you can take them to whatever level you'd like to take it to.
1: Well, that really helps to understand the product line quite a bit. And again, listeners, I'm going to urge you, go to secretcreek.com and check out these photos. You'll see, I mean, beautiful decor, lighting, all kinds. of. It's super cool. I want to move on, though, because it seems like, especially in, during the last couple of summers during COVID, this, there's been this tremendous uh Interest gaining, uh, gained interest in getting outside, creating experiences outside the RV market has exploded and certainly your business has had to be part of that whole wave.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, throughout the last couple of summers, we've seen a dramatic growth um, somewhere in the range of like 49% of the industry growth. Like it's grown 49%. Uh, I, we saw a stat earlier this year that something like 93, 94 million people in the U S consider themselves at least an occasional camper. And what we're providing for them are alternatives to camping of the past. Um, you know, it's much more than just going out and pitching a tent for the weekend. There's people putting them up on their properties, you know, replacing the RV with a permanent place to go stay on the weekends.
1: Yeah. And i got to say, I've, I've looked at people, you know, pieces of land that people own and they'll they'll set up a camping area with like an RV or something on it. And, you know, I get it. It's practical. It works. Yeah. It just doesn't look as cool. It doesn't look as natural as, you know, putting up a, a, a beautiful tent tent or a teepee or a yurt.
0: And it can look like it's just part of nature. Uh, we've got eight different colors that we use in different three different roof colors. You can slide it into the canyons in Utah and not even see it, or you can put it in the deep woods of the Blue Ridge Mountains and not even see it there.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. And it's it's clear too, from what I've been seeing online, that people are setting up commercial applications for yurts, uh, teepees, tents, and, and that business has to be Uh, expanding really fast.
0: Absolutely. Setting it up as a a campground, they might use some as sleeping quarters. They might use some as a community center or they're using it as their gift shop, uh, their check-in shop. Uh, The amount of uses are amazing.
1: Well, and in Colorado, there's this, Uh, massive need for uh, housing, for uh, workers in tourism, some seasonal, some not, but you, you know, I'm wondering, it it would make perfect sense, especially for seasonal workers and in uh, sort of outdoor summertime kinds of things. Are you seeing that kind of growth?
0: We are. We're starting to talk to a few communities about how we might put up uh, yurts and be able to help them house people at a more affordable rate, um, especially for seasonal businesses.
1: Okay. This is, uh, this is great sort of background information. And, and along those lines, I want to go back. I want to go back to how you went from being an operations executive at a Denver-based landscaping company to find yourself as the owner of a yurt manufacturing company in Montrose, Colorado. I think the backstory on that's interesting. And I really want to explore that.
0: Yeah, after I spent uh, 32 years in the lawn and landscape industry on the front range and had an opportunity to grow a great business that ultimately at the end, of it, we had uh, 300 to 400 employees at. And uh, after that business was sold to a private equity group, I had an opportunity to see what I wanted to do next in life. And going out and searching for a business to buy and having any option to buy any business. You make a lot of personal decisions in the journey to figure out what's best for you,
1: right? And you explained to me in past conversations that as you were exploring the kinds of businesses that you uh, would consider buying, owning, running, that you you ultimately develop sort of a checklist of of the qualities, the attributes of businesses that would be interesting. We're going to talk about that first. I want to remind listeners this is ProCo three hundred and sixty, named best Denver podcast three years running, and the last two years named best Colorado business podcast. I'm your host Dave Tabor, and And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is John Gibson, owner and CEO of Secret Creek. They make high-end yurts. TPs and tents. Hey, I want to thank our sponsors Via Technologies. Really appreciate these guys. They're hosting ProCo 360, which is a pretty data-heavy site. Clint and the team keep it running really well. Also, Kinsley Meetings, Steve and Allison. Uh, Kinsley have been talking with me during the pandemic, since the pandemic, and boy, since the pandemic, they say the meeting business is booming and it's more complex than ever. So call them at Kinsley Meetings for help. Also, appreciate our partnership with Colorado Biz Magazine. Really Excited to expand our audiences together. Go to ProCo360.com and check out these sponsors. So, now getting back to this topic of this checklist, this magical checklist that you use, John, to help you narrow in and find the perfect business for you? You
0: know, I don't think when I started off on the on the process of going to buy uh, the business that I'd recognized how much of a journey it was going to be about personal discovery and what are the things that I wanted to do as well as what type of businesses uh, that I wanted to look at. And, and and it was pretty easy after a few uh, of the ones that we looked at to go, I don't want to be in that business. I don't want to be in that business. That doesn't have something that I want. But then to start narrowing down to what really meant something to me being uh, involved in the outdoor industry having a legacy company rather than uh, building something from scratch living on the western slope uh, living in a community as great as Montrose that supports businesses living in a state like colorado that's easy to recruit people to come work for you um, you know there's a, a lot of advantages
1: okay so talk a little bit more about that decision to, rather than start a business, to buy a business and focus specifically on a legacy business? Like, what what does legacy mean to you?
0: Yeah, so a legacy business to me was looking for one that had a great customer base, a good brand, um, some processes and systems, and a core group of employees of scale. And being able to start at a certain scale and scale it to the next level Versus starting off as an independent uh, operator where many of the hats I'd have to wear myself and the, and the speed to scale was going to be significantly harder. I think part of it also is looking at your, your personal skill set. My skill set being in strategy and vision and motivating the staff to do things. I didn't necessarily want to be the frontline person with the tactical skills. There's a lot of people on our team that are way better. We have such a talented group of, of craftsmen that work for us. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's certainly, I think for many, this romantic notion of starting a business from scratch, where the founder does everything. And the founder does everything for a long time until finally they can afford to have one employee, and then maybe two employees. But ultimately, uh, you decided that really wasn't your strength or the way you wanted to do things, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I looked at uh, you know what what's my skill set and and uh, hiring great talented people, which not always the easiest thing, but something that you focus on, uh, seemed like a better task for me than trying to figure out how to build widgets at the front end.
1: You know, I, really most of the guests I have on ProCo 360 are startup founders, and they talk about that transition early on, that the pain mm-hmm. of trying to do it all themselves and ultimately figuring out that they can't do it all themselves and that they need support. And And for them, it's like a, a personal transition, a mental transition. And you basically made that conscious decision just not to go there.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that comes with great mentors, uh, you know, whether it was the mentors in my Vistage group or other groups that helped me decide- Hey, this is who you are, John. Go after that part of the passion. Don't don't start from the scratch.
1: Oh, so were you getting outside input as well as you went through this process?
0: Yeah, I think I, you know I was confident enough to ask questions of people I trusted, and you know it, it's a difficult thing to tell people I don't know. Like, please help me. You know, this is how I'm thinking about it. Can you give me your advice? And then I still get the choice to follow it or not, but at least I get to hear that input.
1: Well, even with outside input, I mean, it has to be, has to be so tough up into these websites where there are thousands of businesses for sale and you just look at them and, you know, as you scan through them and you, and you think back on the, the moment that you saw uh, what was then Colorado Yurt. I mean, did it pop out to you or, or was it just lost among the many until finally, I don't know, did it, did it pop out?
0: No, it started, it, it popped right away, which is it's unique, right? And I wanted something unique, something that I could fall in love with, something that I had a passion about. It wasn't just a money-making deal. I looked at a lot of deals that could have made way more money, but I wasn't <laughs> going to be passionate about them. And I wanted to be passionate about something and, and Colorado Yurt stuck out in that way. Although
1: it's a manufacturing company and you've never been involved in manufacturing you hadn't at that time, how did you think about that?
0: That was uh, one of my biggest, uh, you know, fear points was going from a service related business to turning around to actually building products that I had no experience in. And while I had experience in lots of people and lots of customers, I didn't, I, I had no idea how to make wood fabric and metals work together to build a structure and ship it all over the world.
1: Hey, if I put myself in that position, I could imagine it being really a daunting kind of a fear. You, you show up as the owner of this company, you're supposed to be building these very elaborate, uh, very successful structures. And if something goes wrong, like you have no skills, no expertise, no, you know, even there's no insight that you could add to fix the problem.
0: No, you have to have a a pretty, pretty, pretty high level of trust (laughs) when you walk in the door and say, Hey, we're going to make this happen. Well, the good
1: thing was too, as you were shopping, as you were actually exploring the, the notion of buying, uh, Colorado yurt I mean you really uh, developed a nice collegial collaborative relationship if you will with the
0: owners right absolutely uh Dan and Emma Kiger the founders uh really were you know it's, it's a special situation where they were willing to help me through the stuff I didn't know but also get out of the way and let me do my the things I did well like hey do this
1: yeah, but I mean, as part of your due diligence, you did go and you actually watched the product being built. You knew that, you know, as it was designed, as they were built, they would come together, they would work, and you had some level of of confidence around the product, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, the reputation of the company and the quality of the product was already there, which is again, one of those things I checked off on my list as to why I wanted to buy it in the first place.
1: Okay. So once you were pretty sure, like you had zeroed in on this company you wanted to buy and it felt pretty good to you, but until it closed, were you still, were you still having doubts or were you full speed ahead? How, where was your head around that?
0: I think you, you realize that having done like 20 acquisitions in my prior career that, uh, You don't know what you don't know, and uh, you're going to have to plow ahead, and there's going to be things that are going to get in your way, and you just got to have the fortitude to keep pushing. Um, And there were nights I went home and shook my head like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, right.
1: I mean, it would be natural, but as you think back, what comes to mind?
0: You know, uh, I don't know. you, You buy a business in January of 2020, and three months later, COVID hits. Yeah. That'll freak you out. Right. Yeah. And
1: ultimately, uh, though, turned out into be massive demand, which had its own challenges because of supply chain, the ability to actually keep up and deliver on these promises and expectations of customers, right? It
0: turned out to be a massive blessing, but at the time, it didn't feel like it. When, when your business is going to get shut down for 60 days and you still got bills to pay, that's a stressful moment. What was a blessing turned into a bit of a curse with the supply chain issues and the pricing of materials.
1: Hey, there's a nice portion on your website that talks about your why and your why at Secret. Creek is to inspire lives and create positivity in the world. And that's what motivates us every single day. And I think back to, you know, almost a generation ago, Simon Sinek started talking about people don't care what you do. They care why you do it. And, you know, so that, that lovely why that's on your website, I mean, it's like, you know, what's the difference between what you say and what everyone says and actually, you know, what secret Creek is about.
0: Well, I think it goes a little bit to why we changed the name of the company. One was moving Colorado Yurt Company to Colorado Yurts and a product and introducing Secret Creek as to what we are as a business. That Secret Creek to me is people used to ask me, where do I go spend my time in the back country? And I'd tell them secret Creek. Of course, I didn't want them to know where it was. It was my special place. Yeah, I get And it. so now we look at through our structures, we connect people to the outdoors. We inspire them. We give them a spiritual experience and let them create their secret Creek, whether it's with friends and family or alone, you get to tell me where it's at. You get to tell me how you want to use it. Um, that process of, of inspiration and letting people connect to that is really what gets us excited when we come to work. Like we know our people love what it.
1: Yeah. I love that. So you've taken, And, you know, what had been the notion of your Secret Creek, you've actually then built that whole concept about creating your own into your products. And you're now delivering these experiences to your customers.
0: Absolutely. And we've talked a little bit before about, you know, one of the selection factors of buying a business was, what do you think about the customers that you serve? We make really cool products and we have really amazing customers and they're fun to serve and spend time around and and help them realize their dreams as well. Yeah. We'll
1: talk just a bit more about your customers in a minute. Then I, I did want to ask you about the whole uh, notion of marketing uh, yurts, teepees, and tents. And I wondered, you know, are the people that you ultimately sell to, are they people that are examining different kinds of products from cabins to RVs to, to yurts and structures like that? Or are these people that you know, already know they kind of want more of an outdoor feel and they're coming to you because they want, they know they want what you're selling.
0: Yeah, I think there's a core group of people that absolutely they're searching for yurts, they find us. And we're one of the leaders in the industry and we we serve them as needed. Uh, then there's this other group that don't know what yurts are and they don't know what uh other options are out there and they, they have a budget in mind, but they don't know what structure is going to fit it. And uh, you know, the reason we call our sales team sales guides, because they're gonna guide you through what are the options, what are you looking for, and how do we find something. That fits who you are.
1: When when a buyer out there has fifty hundred fifty thousand hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is they have, and they they know they want to create some sort of a structure. I mean, do they do they tend to know that? Yeah, I want a yurt, or no, I want a prefab, or something. I mean, to what extent are you actually helping them understand? Their options?
0: I think it's part of the experience, and they have to learn what's the difference between the two. In developing our new site in Montrose, we put together a display village, and that display village actually gives people a chance to come to our facility, walk through one, feel what it feels like to be in one. By next summer, we'll have it set up as a try before you buy, so you can actually come spend the night in one in our village. And we also have the facility set up as uh, you can see how it's made, so you can actually walk through and see how your product's made, so you get an idea of what it took to build that structure for you.
1: Well, and building Building it is really different from assembling it, right? Absolutely. I mean, as yes. beautiful as they are, and I know they're designed to be put together on site, but like, could I, I couldn't
0: really do it. Could I, you actually could, you'd be surprised if you're a little bit handy that I, I won't make an assumption there, but if you're a little bit handy and you've got two or three other guys, you, you know, typically you can put a yurt up in three days or so. Our cruise about 24 hours, uh, just one day, but you, you could be, you'd be surprised how easy it is. Right.
1: Three days. And I don't know how much beer it might be cheaper <laughs> to pay you guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Listeners, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs. You could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. This episode is with John Gibson, owner and CEO of Secret Creek, based in Montrose, Colorado. Go to proco 360com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. All right. And as we kind of wind into the uh, closing parts, I do want to ask you this question. I mean, you changed the name from uh, Colorado Yurt and you explained why you did that. You still have a product line, uh, Colorado Yurts. And uh, but talk about the role that Colorado still plays uh, in your company.
0: You know, um, we didn't want to give up Colorado Yurt because that's, that's who we are. It's part of the foundation of the business itself. But we didn't want to hide the tent and T P name, which we felt was happening with Colorado Yurt Company on the top of it. Um, then the other part of, uh, you know, where Colorado is for us, uh, you know, I could have bought a business anywhere. Um, I grew up in Colorado. I love Colorado. I wanted to move to the Western Slope and we got fortunate to find a business in a great town in Western Colorado. And, and, you know, living in Western Colorado, there's a lot of support for us to grow our businesses from the state, the county, uh, to the city itself. And it's just a wonderful place to be. Now that makes
1: me think too, that I mean, when you bought the business, it sounds like Montrose embraced you right away. That's great. Uh, And you know, when you bought the business, it was also being run a certain way. So I'm curious about how the employees embraced you. You came in and said, well, here's the new guy. How did that go?
0: Yeah. I think you have opening day whenever you buy a business and you walk in, you let the the prior owners let everybody know they sold the business and the new owners step in and you don't know what's going to happen next. There's a sense, but you don't know. And I was so pleased with the positivity of the team to say, we're actually looking forward to the changes and we want to make a difference and we're, we want to be there to help. Um, it's not all rainbows and puppies. You know, there's 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 plenty of changes that uh, are difficult on the team. And, and uh, as long as everybody's bought into, hey, we're all in this together to make the business a better place and to serve our customers, It all fits.
1: Well, and you just mentioned customers, and I'd like to talk about that. Because in the past, you and I have talked about one of your priorities was a business that where you really enjoyed the customers, you really could feel good about the relationships with with your customers. So talk about that.
0: We you know, we were fortunate enough to have, you know, customers that use our structures in so many ways, whether it's a classroom for a school or whether it's a yoga studio or a restaurant of some kind. And the and the very obvious, they're using them as as a glamping resorts, uh, cabin style for people to stay in. I had an opportunity to visit one of our customers in Escalante, Utah, Escalante yurts, and they've got this beautiful setting with all of these uh, yurts set up in the Candyland country and it's hot and it's, you know, it's, it's warm in the summertime and you, and you walk into the yurts, they're fully air conditioned. Wow. They've got these beautiful beds in them. the lighting's amazing The the, the, it, it literally is like stepping into an oasis of comfort uh, in between your vacation time. And it, it's just a beautiful setting to be in.
1: So going forward, it seems like uh, the massive craving for outdoor experiences for perching, perching, purchasing products and things, it seems like it's going to normalize. How is that, if you agree with that, how is that going to affect your business?
0: You know, I I think, um, you know, I've I've said since I bought the business and today we're a 46 year old business and I consider us to be a 46 year old startup. And that means that we get to change who we are and do what we need to do to survive and to thrive going forward. I believe literally three years from now, I don't know what our number one selling product is because I don't think we make it yet. And, uh, and and we'll be able to shift if we keep our minds creative and listen to our customers, they'll help us uh, develop the products that they need for the future.
1: Okay, so as you... Talk with customers now, and, and I'm on the website again, I'm looking, I'm seeing things like solar panels and decks and doors and windows. I mean, it looks like innovation is going to continue. So what are you thinking and what are you kind of like, as you think about what's
0: coming next? You know, I, I think we're seeing a continued request for safety and security, um, which uh, leads us to some interesting discussions about, you know, do you have a, a locking door on a tent or a teepee, uh, which seems uh interesting that you would actually put you need a locking door on something that's an outdoor structure but that's what makes makes people feel comfortable inside mentally and so I, I see us doing that. I, I, we've got some fabric changes that we're using, new products and new fabrics, and there's actually uh, some electrified uh, fabric out there that we're looking at that when you touch the fabric, it'll actually turn the lights on and off. That's super um, cool. We're doing a quick study to see if it'll keep a bear out. I mean, come on. I don't know if there's enough current in it that'll actually scare a bear away. So
1: That's so funny. I mean, really, especially we've, we've been seeing all these signs out now like warning about bears and everybody should have bear spray and everything. And what's so funny to me is like, okay, you get in some kind of a little structure and, uh, and then you feel safe. So I'm not sure of the logic of that, but uh, that's how we
0: feel. Absolutely. Yeah. There's something about that small barrier that gives you confidence.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking back again on the website and I see these really beautiful glamping style tents. And then I look at the teepees too. And I wonder, are these sort of just kind of like novelty things or are people really using them the way they use tents and yurts?
0: I say we're in a, in a uh, very fortunate place based on all the work that uh, Dan and Emma did. And and Dan and Emma uh, Kiger, the founders actually were living in a teepee above Breckenridge at 10,000 feet when somebody asked them to build another one. And that's how the business was born in 1976. And so they come from the roots of living in a, in a teepee lodge and our customers are everything from somebody's putting it in the backyard for their kids to clamp to glamping resorts that use them as lodging, to actual uh, Native American tribes that are using them for their own use as they're uh, using it for display or, or they're using it for education.
1: Okay, last question. I mean, every owner loves to see their customers take possession of what they've sold. I mean, how often do you actually get to go and turn over the, there's not really keys, but, you know, turn over the keys and actually be with your customer as they take delivery of their, your temp or teepee? You
0: know, when you're on site, um, our crews do it. We have uh, guys mostly through the late summer and into the fall that are pitching them and the customer gets to sit there and watch and sometimes help, but mostly uh, sit and watch and enjoy the structure to go up. When you hand them the keys and they get to actually physically walk into their structure and it happens so quick, it like pops up fast to them. Uh, the look on their face and the amazement, that wow, that inspiration, that spiritual feeling of walking into the round inside of your and looking up at the rafters and seeing the dome and knowing you're going to see the stars out of that tonight is is just something that uh you know gives me goosebumps, makes me want to come back and do my job again tomorrow.
1: Ah, what a great note to end on. Let's wrap up there. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today on ProCo 360, you've been listening to my conversation with John Gibson, owner and CEO of Secret Creek, makers of high-end yurts, teepees, and tents that can give you goosebumps. So, John, glad you joined me here on ProCo 360.
0: Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to see your wear in Montrose.
1: Yeah, and John, I am going to come and take you up on one of those uh, try before you buy nights in Montrose. I want to spend a night in a teepee in Montrose. Uh, I will probably not help you assemble it, but I am really <laughs> interested in giving it a try. <laughs> Listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit review in your app thanks again to our show sponsors kinsley meetings via technologies and colorado biz magazine that's a wrap live work love colorado